Welcome to the Speaker Podcast with your host, Camille Essig. On this podcast, Camille covers topics ranging from entrepreneurship to relationships, to beauty, wellness, and empowerment. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Camille Essek, and on this particular podcast, I have one of the up-and-coming uh, lyricists, neo-soul artists in the in Jacksonville, Florida area, known as The I Give, and to others known as Greg Essek. So, Greg, thank you for joining me on this episode. Thanks, cuz. <laughs> So for those that are not familiar with uh, the I Give, let the listeners know, like, who is Greg Essig, what, who is I Give, and um, how did you get into mu- music? Okay. Um, so, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm I Give. <laughs> I'm an MC uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. I've been uh, writing rhymes since probably, like, the second grade. Um, I remember... When uh, I was a kid, you know, I grew up in a kind of religious environment, so I had to sneak and listen to, to hip-hop music. And one day on the television, uh, Nas, featuring Lauren Hill, was on the screen singing If I Rule the World. And uh, it was the first time I felt very empowered, you know, by, by music for myself to speak. And it inspired me to want to write for myself and express myself. And... Uh, how I got into actually performing music and stuff. Um, first in high school, a friend approached me about writing a rhyme and helped me to do my first recording. Uh, and I just started writing from there, just like prolifically, just rhyme after rhyme after rhyme, just, uh, you know, excited as a kid. And uh, did a talent show my senior year, one first place. And it kind of boosted my confidence. And from there, I started recording with friends and hitting open mics. And uh, I got involved with the spoken word scene uh, here in Jacksonville first. Uh, and from there, was encouraged to make my first album. Uh, I funded all my uh, projects. And, you know, I've done about three studio albums now. And, uh, it's been a fun ride. Oh, wow. So um, you were talking... Um and I just started thinking, first of all, you said you grew up in a very strict um, household. So how was that growing up for you as far as, um, I don't want to use the word conflict, but just that, I guess that is conflict between, quote unquote, the church and then secular music. Because you hear, well, first of all, most artists, your best singers, lyricists, rappers, they all have roots in the church. So... How did that play out for you as far as um, transitioning from coming out of the church into, quote-unquote, secular mu- music or neo-soul hip-hop? Um, it, was a, it was a natural transition. You know, I started out doing gospel rap first. Uh, that's all I was allowed in the house. And I was, you know, very involved in church and scene. So uh, I did my best to conform to it. But as I became an adult and explored the world for myself and things of that nature, I began to expand. So my writing started to shift. 
and um, you know, it was it was a conflict because you know I come from a Pentecostal background, holiness background. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody familiar with that knows that that can be very limiting when it comes to personal life choices and environment and culture and things of that nature. So I kind of like deconstructed a lot of that uh, in my, my uh, young adulthood. So it became evident in my writing. But um, at home, it, it wasn't as much of a conflict because by the time I got into secular music, I was an adult. Uh, I remember one time my mom did call me the devil's entertainment, uh, devil's entertainer one, so. Uh, Say, whoa, 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 back up. Your mom said what? She called me the devil's entertainer. It was a, it gave me a good chuckle. She was serious, but, uh, wow. they called me the devil's entertainer one. Uh, so, you know, but I expected it, you know. Uh, I remember one time, uh, my grandmother asked my dad, you know, if she could use a dirt devil vacuum cleaner because it was called the dirt devil. So, what? that's the background I came from, so. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I that's kind of extreme because um, it seems like the church now is more lax. I don't want to say lax, but more well-rounded. So that's a little extreme. Like, well, I mean, you know, you got different pockets of it. You know, you have more. You have really conservative and moderate uh, types of, of homes. I consider mine to actually be more moderate to some of the ones that I did see. But, you know, these were some of their hot buttons. You know, like, when I was a kid, gospel rap was was still, like, off-limits, you know? So they had to lax on that to let me listen to gospel rap, you know? So for me to transition into secular rap, where I'm using uh, adult language, themes that are not, uh, you know appropriate for like the sanctuary and church or something like that that's gonna that's gonna cause an, uh you know gonna throw them up the arms a little bit but everybody's cool now uh went through their transition with it accepted that you know i am who i am i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do uh, i was able to work out my own uh fear and guilt that i had built into myself to, to free myself to rest myself open so all is well. Um, I feel you. It's just it's like I just remember, like in the '90s when Kurt Franklin did "Stomp," that was like, oh my god! Like we got gospel yeah. music looping in with like P funk, like that. I I remember that shock. Like Kurt Franklin shook the world, but now you listen to "Stomp" and it's just like it's a classic. You know what I'm saying? Like at skate parties or just you know. So I just I guess well, I understand what you're saying as far as the evolution as far as the mindset towards music in church. Like if you look at people like um, Sir the Baptist or even how artists like Kira Sheard, how they've merged, you know, to bridge the gap for young people to enjoy, quote-unquote, gospel music, you know, to have that feel, even with Erica Campbell with I Love God. You know, it's like trap gospel. And I know for a lot of the older, quote-unquote, saints or that previous generation, it's so hard for them to understand, but I do feel like the music is relatable to millennials and to those that, you know, maybe they don't want to hear James Cleveland, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, something so staunch, but you, you want to be able to enjoy what you're listening to. And I think you can do that without, you know, judging somebody for it. if it's not cookie cutter or boxes, so you can't say this isn't 
gospel music or this isn't Christian music or this isn't praise or because I feel like God is a reflection or we are as people should be a reflection of who God is, meaning God is not boring. He's not cookie cutter. He's not in a box. You look at the world around us, like it's just in the human race, we're all diverse. We're tall, we're short, we're light, we're dark, we're big, we're small. You know, you look at the variety of animals. So how can God's creation be so diverse? And then when it comes to music or worship, then all of a sudden we have all these categories and a format. Like there's no template. And I think it's, to me, it's kind of messed up to say, to discredit someone's gift or to say it's not X, Y, Z, because maybe it's not for your liking. Maybe it wasn't for you in the first place. Right. Yeah, and that's that's just kind of how they were. I mean, I remember as a kid when BB and CC Wine is too too early. Well, they're you like know. the the Donnie and Marie Osmond uh, of gospel. Like, are you serious? Well, they was like they couldn't tell if they were singing to Jesus or to their baby. People didn't even know they was brother and sister. So. Um, that's so you crazy. know that, that's just what it is. <laughs> I know, but to me, that's like brainwashing, and that's when you you get where it's like almost cultish to me versus religion versus relationship and intimacy with God. And that's where those lines are drawn. Cause the point you're not even looking at God for who he is. You're just setting rules or trying to legislate righteousness and you can't do that. Yeah. But, well, that's why I'm, I'm grateful that I, I understand that one denomination doesn't have uh, authority or license on what God is, can, what, what he can do, who he can use and how he moves. You know, I, I I have a relationship for myself, uh, even though my music is not, you know, for all the conservative and, and Christian ears, it's not everything that they would all agree with, but it's my authentic expression. I understand. It's just the word of God says he called us to be holy. He didn't call us to be Baptist or apostolic or full gospel or Catholic or Baptist. He called us to be holy, not a denomination. Right. But... Uh, off that soapbox. <laughs> so as far as um, you talked about getting into music and you've done, you said four studio albums. Um, what what was the journey like in creating those albums and just in that writing process? Um, with my with the albums that I have out, the first one was actually like I, I didn't even like plan on making it. I, I didn't think I was actually ready. Uh, the guy who uh, did most of the music production on their uh, Ill Clinton actually was uh, who encouraged me to, to make the album. Uh, we did a song together called Not Hate. Uh, that was like, it was like 10 years ago. And uh, it was like really a hit. At, uh, the venues were performing it at. And he was like, dude, you should like work on an album. And I didn't even know like if I was ready for that, you know. So we got into the studio and started some, some, he started giving me some, some instrumentals for me to write to. Uh, some, I gave him some lyrics that I had been writing to with, like, music in my head. And, you know, uh, we collaborated. As a matter of fact, the, the song I mentioned, Not Hate, which is, like, old. Uh, that was a song I wrote uh, on my own that he put music to. That was uh, one of the first times that I got to do that uh, successfully. Uh, and, uh, you know, at that time, I was uh, getting involved in the spoken word community. That's that's kind of where I was at that time doing the open mic because they had they had the 
the performances that had a lot of texture to them, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of content, and mm-hmm. uh, that's where the soulful uh, side came from, and I was really connecting with uh, a lot of poets and, and people out there, and they were really receiving me, because Death Jam Poetry, you know, all my favorite rappers were on it. So I was into that, so the first album was Rhythm and Poetry, and uh, so that theme had a lot of neo-soul landed with hip-hop in there, uh, to give it that, that hip-hop rhythm and blues vibe, you know, and uh, a lot of socially conscious and, or at least attempted to be socially conscious views were expressed. Uh, and that's also, you know, I was coming out of, I was still coming out of the gospel mode then too. So I was hardcore on the, I'll call it the super self-righteous conscious rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, a lot of that was, was a direct response to me growing into that stage. And then from there, I got to, because it was the first time really I got feedback on my music. And so after that, King Killers and Rap DNA came about, uh, which were further developed uh, from there. But usually I get like some sort of vision, I guess, artistic direction uh, to approach like a theme and you know, the musical style that I want to approach it from. So once I get that going, then I'm kind of like, pumping it out, you know, song after song, and then once I get my degrees and I fill in what I need to, to give you that experience and I hope that you Okay. Um, just looking at your catalog, I noticed there's like a break between your last album and now, like, why haven't you released anything recently within the last couple of years, or are you planning to um, go back into the studio? Um, kind of like, where are you with that? Like, what's up with that? So um, I've actually had to take uh, a small sabbatical from recording, and uh, I'm actually technically still on it, but I'm on my way back. Uh, I've had uh, a health condition or two that has, uh, you know, taken taken uh, form in my life that I had to attend to, and it's really developing prior to, but it reached the point where I had to really step back and take care of myself. Now I'm starting to get a grip on it, started to feel better, and I'm excited again about making music and actually started to jump in the studio here in the last month. Uh, again, working on plan on recording throughout the summer and releasing hopefully by end of the year, start performing in the fall. Okay. Like if, and if you don't mind, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, it's cool, but like health-wise, like, what were you dealing with? Like, what was going on? If you don't want to discuss it, I totally understand or respect that, but I'm just kind of curious as to, like, what happened. I appreciate that. I usually don't talk about it a whole lot, but, uh, you know, for uh, the sake of the podcast, I'll discuss it. I have two autoimmune conditions affecting my joints and my skin. Uh, Ankylosing spondylitis which is based on my spine. Uh, and manifest throughout, you know, different joints as well. And it's like it's pretty excruciating pain, to be honest. Uh, and so, like, with that, you know, I would have, like, just joint tightness and, and inflammation throughout my body. Uh, it had symptoms similar to, like, fibromyalgia mm-hmm. or uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, so to speak. So, like, I would get, like, a joint, like, in my knee or ankle or hips, and it would just tighten up and... You know, I wouldn't be able to touch or put much pressure on it. Mm-hmm. I've been on canes and I've been on 
crutches, like the most recent stint in the 2018 to 2019, I was on crutches for seven months. Oh, wow. You know, which was mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, going to the bathroom 10 feet away was like an insurmountable task. Getting in and out of the car was just like, you know, the worst thing I could do all day. Wow. You know, so um, it was a lot to deal with uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my skin. Uh, I have hydrogenitis aperitiva. Uh, which mostly actually impacts uh, mostly women, actually. Like, it's basically where you get, like, cysts and uh, abscess in your pheromone area. So, like, armpits, for me, my beard, groin area. Like, for women, they would probably get it under their uh, breasts or something like that. And it's, you know, it's painful as well because uh, that's your skin opening up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's embarrassing because you're bleeding a lot. You know, it's really disgusting. So, uh, I had to do a lifestyle change. Uh, I had to really work on my mental, uh, change my uh, approach and orientation as far as how I looked at certain things and looked at my life and looked at life in general, started eating differently because food impacts my condition. Mm-hmm. So I had to find foods that reduce inflammation. Uh, so are you like I'm, vegan now you know, or did you go vegetarian or? I am technically pescatarian, but I eat mostly plant-based. Okay, there's so much out there now so, that's saying that our food is causing so many illnesses and everything starts within the gut. And um, I have a friend, she was actually on another episode of mine, Jackie Davis from Divine Wellness. Uh, we did an episode about black health, health in the black community and she was talking about how diet changes into mental health and just how a lot of communities have like food de- deserts, particularly in you know, urban areas and just saying how just changes in your diet can make huge or significant changes in your health. So I just wondered, like, what was your routine? What was that transition like for you as far as um, going from, you know, the the beef and the pork and all that to just pretty much just fish and fruits and veggies? Like, what was that like for you? It was, um, it was a tough transition, but I... I... I, I would try one thing out, go back, try another thing, go back, but get a little better each time. So, like, what started out was uh, 2014, I kind of, like, that was, like, the first major manifestation of what I was going through, and mm-hmm. I was a bigger guy. I was, like, 240 pounds, and, you know, uh, I was, I was, you know, just not eating right at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, I had an arthritic situation had to go to the hospital, uh, and they also told me I was pre-diabetic. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, no. Wait, <laughs> yeah, how this, old this were you when this work. was going on? Like, how old were you when this was going on? Um, I would have been 29. Oh, wow. I would have been 29. I was, that was five years ago. So I'm 34 now, so I would have been 29 uh, when this happened. And, uh, you know, that's when I was starting to walk on a cane more regularly uh, than... So, uh, pre-diabetic was the buzzword for me. I was like, yeah, nah, this ain't, this ain't going to go down. So, mm-hmm. tried out a, a vegetable soup uh, diet first, uh, where I did like a week of vegetable soup and like a few different items per this instruction that I got. Uh, lost a whole bunch of weight <laughs> in like a week. So Just doing that? that point, just doing that little change? I think I lost 11 pounds the first time. Wow. 
uh, and I was in a week. And so then I started like curtailing my diet after that because I couldn't go right back to how I was eating because my stomach would be jacked up. And so I did that for a while and uh, went back and forth uh, and then slid back into bad eating habits again, came back. I tried different things, you know, like I would go one, 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 uh, one time I would go like, all right, I'm just going to buy canned goods and frozen vegetables and get used to eating that. Like, cause you knew how to eat ramen noodles and frozen chicken nuggets when you were in college. Right. So I was like, what's a poor man's vegetarian lifestyle? So I tried that out for a little bit and I fell back into something else. Then I was like, all right, let me try fast food and restaurants. What's our healthy items there? Uh, and then eventually, you know, uh, I got some help in the house to, to kind of exemplify what that lifestyle is really supposed to look like. And as I started to get better on my health and to like actually stand up in the kitchen and cook for myself, then I started cooking for myself and a lot of kale and cabbage, and carrots, and sprouts, and mushrooms, and, uh, you know, uh, trying different versions of rice other than white rice or uh, just trying to eat cleaner in general. I know rice starch. I just want to throw a fuss about that, but you know, just trying to get my beans and rice game up, just, just things that were cleaner, you know, and, and uh, I'm going to cleanse and, uh, you know, this time around, I'm, I get to enjoy the new, uh, eating cuisine because mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a taste for it. My taste buds are changing, uh, and I do a lot of smoothies, a lot of green smoothies. Okay. Uh, to get my nutrients up and, you know, superfoods and uh, learning to eat quinoa and, you know, all, all certain foods that I probably didn't like as much when, you know, I was a chicken wing, steak and burger guy. Okay. You know, trying to, you know, so I'm, I'm, I've made that transition now uh, this time around and I've, I've been pretty good and it's just about November. Okay. And I've lost 30 pounds. Uh, since then, about a few pounds above my high school weight, which I feel really good about. And, uh, you know, doing physical therapy alongside with it and meditation to kind of help it along, reestablishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a, adult chores, like cleaning and uh, doing laundry and things like that. So I, I, I got to get those things under wraps before I start performing again. Mm-hmm. So that way my schedule is not knocked off so I can, you know, take care of myself okay and I know that was like really personal but I do appreciate you sharing that um because you never know who else out there may be dealing with that but just to hear your story um and just pulling through first of all like it's amazing and awesome that you have you know redirected your diet lost the weight you know recovering from that because I can only imagine what that's like but just other listeners you know that may be dealing with that or know someone that is that's it takes courage to even tell that story so thank you for opening up and being transparent um and with that being said so now that you're um on the road to recovery well first of all um how how did you find the path to recover like did you do the medication route or did you do like more of a holistic approach or a combination just because it sounds like that's a rare condition so with the research and treatment, like what path did you take to um, get to that place of recovery? And, and what um, advice do you give other people that may be dealing with that on how they should deal with it? Yeah, I took a hybrid approach. Um, I, I did do my best to 
go as much naturopathy as possible. I know it's considered pseudoscience and uh, it's not uh, legitimate medicine in, in the, the Western world. But uh, living a healthy lifestyle, uh, changing your mindset, and clearing your mind, and getting personal inner balance is definitely essential to, to battle. Uh, and then asking for help, uh, I'm, I'm definitely a guy with a little bit higher pride than I'm, I may want to admit. And, uh, you know, uh, I am grateful that I had uh, loved ones and good friends around who really care for me and were willing to, you know, uh, step in my life and help me where I couldn't, you know, so people help me with my, help me with my mental state, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you, you can get really deep, deeply depressed uh, with anxiety and things of that nature. And I'm just grateful for good people in my life who were willing to help get groceries for me or clean around my house or help get my morale up, you know, mm-hmm. while I was in the transition. And then finally, I got the, the nerve and the confidence and courage to go ahead and start seeing doctors. Uh, so I do have an assist from Western medicine. I know uh, a lot of people are fearful of it because, you know, it's, it's legitimately so big pharma and things like that. Yeah. They poison us. Yeah. It is true, but you gotta, you do have to educate yourself and use it to your benefit because uh, I wasn't trying to be Steve Jobs, you know what I'm saying, uh, and, and pass away or be decrepit because, you know, I, I refused to, I drew a hard line. And so I finally was able to, to, to go ahead and get, get comfort to try or maybe a little bit of desperation, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of both. To finally go and see a doctor, I was already on my path to doing better, you know, because my pain was reducing, but it wasn't going away, Okay. you know. And I got sick of it after a while, but with having people there to help me and support me, um, having started the journey with uh, the eating habits and trying to get a little physical therapy to get my joints moving, it, it gave me that boost I needed. So now I'm on the truth that is, uh, I feel like it's working in conjunction with the natural uh, items that I've adopted in my life. And, uh, hopefully, the lifestyle changes that all contribute to what I consider my second lease on life, you know? Yeah. So I'm just thankful, grateful. Yeah, that's awesome. So I guess now that you're in that place now, um, and you say you were working on going back into the studio. So what's on the horizon for you as far as studio work? Like, are you going to drop an EP, a mixtape, another single, or going back into, into, like, spoken word? Like, what are your goals or plans for right now? Um, well, hopefully I can get a... I'm, I'm looking to do a mixtape and an EP to start off. Okay. Uh, like, I don't have a full vision yet but I have I'm starting to starting to get you know what I mean and uh, I felt like I had to learn to rap again right because mm-hmm. coming from a different place and a different perspective uh, you know with this whole transition you know there's a lot of things that uh, I transitioned out of I felt like I've done more decolonization within myself Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that includes decolonizing my rhymes uh, and letting that form itself and how you express it, how you uh, express yourself, and you know, figuring 
now how to tell my story. I recognize that I, I wrote, I've been writing the whole time. And what's come out of that has, you know, pretty, pretty, done a pretty good job of expressing what my, what I've gone through without like getting too dark and deep, still having hope. Uh, so I can't give you like terribly detailed information just yet because it's, it's still forming, but yeah. it's more free right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm riding that wave with the high vibrations, and I'm really having fun again. You know, it's like I'm back in high school, just writing raps, uh, just because I love it. Again. Uh, but it's gonna be some real hip hop stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, so I'm kind of getting into more of a right now chill, more of a chill hop, uh, modern traditional hip hop vibe right mm-hmm. now. You know, been listening to a lot of tribe, Paul West lately. Uh, Stevie Wonder, a lot of Fela Cute, uh, you know, which is a wide spectrum of stuff, but music that I consider to be organically inspirational and uh, trying to channel that for myself with my own life experience up to this point. So this summer I'm just going to record and I'm hoping to drop a mixtape or an EP or both mm-hmm. by the end of the year. Okay. And in 2020, be full throttle to work perform and uh, really be back out in the streets again, as they say. Awesome. Well, you know what? I would love to have you back um, and just to hear more about um, what you've got going on. And, you know, when you drop it, let let me know. I would love to uh, to have you back on again. This is the I Give. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is Camille Essick with the um, one and only, first of all, for those that do not know, the I Give is also the voice of the Speaker Podcast. I know some people have been wondering like, Cam, who was this dude with the smooth voice doing your intros and outros on your podcast? Well, I had to do an episode just to highlight the voice of the speaker podcast, the one and only I give. So, uh, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time to sit and chat with me here on this podcast. And for those that want to connect with you, um, in the music scene or just spoken word, um, and in that area of music, just let, let the listeners know where they can find you. I appreciate you having me on and an opportunity to, you know, fan, uh, be on your show and, uh, voice. Uh, other speaker, which is really fun. Um, yeah, I love it, and, the, and the ladies love it. They like, oh, he's so saucy. <laughs> <laughs> word, word. Um, <laughs> so you y'all, y'all can find me online. Um, the I give dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, all my music is there. Uh, you can follow me on I give uh, on I, Instagram or Twitter at I give four life. That's the number four. I give four life. Um, or uh, Facebook, the I give, I give one word. Cool. And if you're not doing music, you can also do voiceover. So the work is, is quality, I will say. <laughs> but thank you for again. Appreciate it. Thank you for again for just um, being on. And I hope everyone got something out of this particular op- uh, episode. Lord, I'm getting tongue tied. I can't talk. Jeez. Thank you for tuning into this episode. And until next time, everyone, be blessed.
I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the Speak Her podcast with your host, Camille Essick. You can reach Camille via email at kimikimiglasses at gmail.com and shop online at www.kimikimink.com. Catch new episodes of the Speak Her podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Follow Camille on Instagram at kimikimink. Until next time, be blessed.